Abandon fear and trust yourself Open up to all life's wealth Tap into a sixth sense With intuitive intelligence Hello, hello, and welcome to the Intuitive Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Bernadette Gold. Today we have a really special guest. We're, we're bringing to you Kate Hudson Hall, who is a psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, and NLP practitioner. She's also the author of Bulimia Sucks. At the age of 18, she began her bulimic career in earnest. And 15 years later, after much help, she eventually freed herself from the clutches of anorexia and bulimia. She then stepped out and decided to take a different bulimic pathway, feeling the great need to help others as she has been helped. She spent the last two decades working as an eating disorder therapist. And like I said, she's the author of Bulimia Sucks. So let's welcome Kate Hudson Hall. How are you? Hi, Bernadette and everybody. I'm so excited to be here. This is fabulous. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. And you also have a podcast. I want to mention that because I was on your podcast. Yeah. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast before we dive in. Yeah, yeah. So the podcast, as you said, is called Bulimia Sucks. And it's for people with eating disorders that either have eating disorders or have had an eating disorder to come along and talk about their experiences. It's for people to listen to and and to learn to feel they're not alone. Um, we also have people that um, have had an eating disorder that have then also gone on and become um, a therapist of sorts or a nutritionist or people that work with others with eating disorders. So it's really interesting to for me to be able to learn from others also. And sure. talk to all these amazing people that have worked through their eating disorder and have recovered. Yeah. Well, and I'd love it if you would share a little bit about your story and how your book came about and how you stepped onto the path of helping others. Yeah, yeah. So as you mentioned earlier, so, oh gosh, I had a difficult time. I was um, sexually abused when I was younger, when I was age nine. Um, and then I was sent to boarding school, which was a very traumatic time for me. So where by the time I was sort of a late teen, um, I, ooh, I developed bulimia and anorexia. And that was from a suggestion that somebody gave me, which just for me, it just goes to show the power of a suggestion. Somebody said to me, a friend of mine said to me, do you know that if you if you eat a Mars bar and then make yourself sick, you won't put the weight on? And I took that and I ran with it, unfortunately. But it just goes to show how powerful, particularly with young children, for somebody to say something to that child and they hold on to it and they believe that it's true and they just run with it. So I did and I had severe bulimia for 15 years and then I eventually so from 
the 13 years onwards, I was um, looking for help and I eventually found a therapist who was fantastic. And I spent four years with this therapist and she was incredible. And I never had a father. Well, I don't remember him. He died when I was two. So my mother brought me up. And when I was seeing the therapist, my mother had developed cancer and she suddenly died. And I do believe that if I wasn't seeing that therapist, I wouldn't be here today. That's how much I, I suppose I took her, um, I needed her support at that time. And then when I came out of the other side, I decided that I really wanted to be able to help people how I'd been helped, but particularly with eating, you know, with eating disorders. And so that is when I trained to be a psychotherapist. And then I trained to, to learn hypnotherapy and then neuro-linguistic programming and emotional freedom technique. And I became a Reiki master and many other different avenues over the years. So when it came to my book, Bulimia Sucks, I, well, I didn't know. I, want, I just decided a couple of years ago that I wanted to write a book and I had no idea what it was going to be about. And I just had this dire need, this desire that I wanted to write a book. And so I started to write a memoir. And then, of course, when I became 18, it kind of morphed into the time when I had my eating disorder. So it kind of dawned on me when that happened. It was like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, I know where we're going with this now. <laughs> and so it's 25% memoir. And then the rest of it is self-help techniques um, for to help people overcome bulimia and anorexia. And I'm so excited now. I've made a workbook to go with that and also a food journal. And then most recently, which I've loved making, are coloring books for people with eating disorders. So I've made an anorexia one and a bulimia one and also a binge eating one and one for anxiety. And I love it. Absolutely love That's it. That's amazing. It's been very therapeutic to make them. That's amazing. And so now I'm in the process of writing a book on anxiety. All of the all of the trigger things going on in the world right now. Those are all for women, especially for young girls. So share with the listeners, um, because I know I've had this question. I had eating disorders when I was younger, um, but then both of my girls have suffered eating disorders. And as a parent, you have a different take on it. So if you were to share something for the parents of girls suffering through eating disorders, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, I would, I would tell them that they need, if once they're aware that their child has an eating disorder, the very first step I believe that would help you is to go hop online and start to um, read up about the specific eating disorder or all the eating disorders and gain that knowledge before you actually approach your loved one that has the eating disorder. Learn as much information that you can about that specific area as possible. So you have some sort of knowledge about what you're talking about. That's, yeah. what, I would, that that's what I would suggest 
to any parent. And then when you feel ready to approach your loved one, and it's really important obviously to find the right time and to sit down quietly on your own with that loved one. And, and yes, there may be a bit of, a lot of backlash, denial, as I was in denial for a long time. But it, the more that you can begin talking about it and chipping away unconsciously that part of them will be listening and eventually they will turn towards you and reach out for help if they know that you have the knowledge and they know that they can trust you and you're there for them they will know that so they're kind of some tips that i would suggest but it's having that knowledge about what you're talking about would you say that e that eating disorders become addic like addictive behaviors? Well, I I think that they become habits and patterns, as mm -hmm. well as unconscious reasons. There's so many different avenues to that, but I believe that you become addicted to something specific, like you become addicted to drugs, or you have a, a smoking addiction. But with an eating disorder, I think it's different. And I, I personally wouldn't call it an addiction. But some and, people do, and that's fine. Everybody has their different views. But that is, I believe, that you need to actually be physically addicted to something. Mm -hmm. No, good point. Um, and these are all questions that I've been asked. <laughs> so I'd love to get your take on it. Uh, certainly from the, the perspective of people going through it, not understanding why they can't break out of it if they decide they want to. Obviously, some people are in it and they, they do want to break out of it. They don't know how and they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. So um, and like you shared, you had a trauma. Have you found that a lot of times it is triggered by trauma? Yes, that seems to be from research that does seem to be a strong factor in somebody having an eating disorder. I found that when I had, you know, having that trauma when I was nine, and then I had other traumas as a teenager, but particularly talking about that, that experience when I was nine, I didn't talk about that until I was in my early 30s or late mm. 20s. I didn't ever talk about it. And I, it happened with a, a neighbor of mine. Um, it was the two of us with her family member. And she was actually younger than me. Um, and I approached her about it as I was going through therapy and started to open up and talk about it. And I have never seen anybody look so shocked in all their life, the fact that I was talking about it. And she didn't want to talk about it, and that's fine. Um, but I didn't actually tell anyone, and she and her and I never talked about it. I didn't tell anyone whatsoever until I was in my late 20s. I held on to that, and I buried it very deep, which mm. is very unhealthy. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, mm. So 
how do you help with the eating disorders with your clients? How do I help my clients? Well, there's so many different avenues to help people, but one key part is starting to educate them on how to eat like a normal person and starting to open the door to educating them on how to do that. Because I remember when I was going through my eating disorder, one area that did help me, because it was such a long time ago, it was, oh, I think it was in the 1800s. Um, I, I contacted in the UK, the Eating Disorders Association. And this was in, in the 80s, I think. Um, and they, the, I, I did a course with them, which was amazing because they sent me a diary that I had to fill out every week and also a sheet of food that I had to try and focus on eating each week. And then I had to write down the amount of, that I had eaten each day and then the thoughts and feelings that came with, came with that. And then I would have to post it back to the therapist and then we would speak once a week on the phone. So it was always sort of like a week. We were a week behind. And I just remember seeing the sheet of food that I was expected to eat per day and being so shocked at it, the amount, but gradually beginning to eat food because I, I didn't know how to eat. I'd completely lost touch whatsoever with how to eat. I couldn't even eat an apple at the time. And I, so yeah, so that was a real shock to me. So I think educating the um, client with regards to starting to open the door to eat again is really important, but it's also being aware of what they're thinking, what they're feeling throughout their weeks and addressing the negative thoughts and feelings that come up in connection with with their eating disorder. That's just some of them. And I use many different techniques with my clients to help them to break difficult patterns. But going back to somebody that's had a, that's, that's maybe had some sort of abuse in the past, some of the therapies that I do, so for example, neuro-linguistic programming, um, which is using different techniques to help people overcome specific problems. And it's amazing to be able for somebody that's been through a traumatic time. And every time they're in a specific situation now, they're getting those same feelings of what happened way back when. So this, so some of the techniques, NLP techniques that I use, I can, it helps to break that pattern. And of course they still have that memory of that experience, but it's breaking the link between that experience and the feelings that come up now, which is so powerful to help them to be able to move forward. So on top of um, working with the food things, I know anxiety is a big part of having an eating disorder. Um, and, and for me, I know in my life, when I suffered an eating disorder, it was the one thing I could control. 
It was the, you know, nobody could control what I was eating. And it seemed like that was the only thing I got to control. So how do you address things like that, the breaking of that control or changing how you're controlling your food intake? So it's looking at the whole bigger picture and how to control the food intake. So it's working with those thoughts feelings, negative behaviors and patterns and beginning to break those and change those gradually. But awareness is the first step. So it's being aware of, oh, okay, this, I behave this way because this is, you know, the way that I am thinking or feeling, you know, because we have 60,000 different thoughts that are flying throughout our head every day. And majority of those are connected to feelings. So it's awareness is the first step and then it's beginning to address what comes forward. You know, what negative thoughts you're having, what negative feelings you're having, what patterns and and behaviors, negative behaviors have you got into connected with that specific and then working with those to be able to change them. Awesome. And I totally agree. Um, So share some other things with the listeners, Kate, that you really want to get across to the women suffering with eating disorders that really maybe they've lost hope or they're discouraged. They don't know how to start to speak about it or who to go seek help from. What would you say to them? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think when... When a person has an eating disorder that feels like they are ready to begin to to reach out and look around for some sort of help, because there's so much help out there now online, um, it's and, and it's it's beginning to learn about your behaviour, and there obviously the the, the the most important help that you could get is going to see a nutritionist, a dietitian, doctor, and then also a therapist. But then also online, there's so many fantastic books out there connected to eating disorders. There's podcasts, um, and there obviously is Facebook and all of the other social media channels that has so much information. And even just joining one Facebook eating disorders group and reading other people's experiences just is so huge to know that you're not alone and that other people are going through the same experience. Yeah. That's what I would suggest. And can you share um, the, because I love the positive end of this, right? What comes out of this looking back? You know, once you've overcome something, what have you learned looking back at who you are? I've learned that I'm not mad. <laughs> I've, many not... people might disagree, especially my sons. But when I was in the depths of my eating disorder, I had no control over my life. And yes, that was the one thing that I could control. And I didn't know how to eat anything. And I did think I was just going crazy. I was just going mad. There must be something really horrifically wrong with me. But there there wasn't. It was just the behavior that I'd got into. So that is what I've learned. (laughs) I'm not mad. (laughs) 
I think that's important. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, there are lots of things that make us think that we're mad. And to the girls that are looking online at some of the, you know, social media posts that are very body image driven, yeah. you know, not, and it's starting to slowly shift, thankfully, where it's not a bunch of anorexic models, but it's still very prevalent. Yeah. in the media yeah. to be super thin and if you're over a size two now you're considered fat in that industry in hollywood and, and um the entertainment industry and it's not realistic it's not like a normal body size can you speak to that for the young girls that are trying to attain that so they get into anorexia or bulimia mm. Absolutely. If only, you know, the, there's a there's a fantastic quote. I can't remember exactly what it is, but the, it's something like um, the models, the slim models wish that they could look like the images that they see in the magazines because they, you know, because they they, they don't. That's not exactly correct, but that's sort of like the gist of it. But with regards to with regards to social media and those images and then how we portray how we feel that we should look again i think it's having the knowledge and the understanding that this is superficial and these girls actually don't look like this and if somebody was thinking that way, I would suggest that they go online and they start to do some research and educate themselves about this and what they can, how they can begin to change their way of thinking and their patterns they've got into with regards to the pressure that they're putting on themselves to be this size zero, whatever it may be. That's what I would do first of all, is start to, to learn about what's right and what's wrong, because the way they're thinking at the moment isn't correct. Yeah, yeah. And that's a hard one when you have teenage girls. I have two girls. So through yeah. the teen years, it was very difficult to convince them that trying to look like that when that's not your body type. Yeah. You know, and, and my my youngest was always super thin until she hit puberty. And of course, with hormones, she started to gain weight, started to fill out, and then tried to get back to the skin and bones. We had to do a lot of talking and she did have to talk to a counselor and, and whatnot. I mean, it came down to this, there's a trend going on now too with waist trainers. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I haven't. Yeah, so the girls wear waist trainers all day and they they tie them super tight right and it's very very much um coming from sort of the k-pop culture the korean culture right. and those women are very thin naturally that's their body type yeah but then you have a whole generation of westerners now trying to imitate that and so what are they doing they're buying waist trainers and sucking themselves in and not understanding the damage they're doing to their organs too yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. So again, what would you say to that? I mean, I know how I handled it and it was, it was dicey. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, because I didn't want to offend my daughter when we talked about it and tell her that what she was doing was wrong or make her feel wrong. Right. But try to coax her out of the need to even do that. And was she seeing and talking to a therapist? Yes, but of course she wasn't telling the therapist she was doing that. Right. She was telling the therapist she was eating, and she was eating. But on the flip side of that, she was also working out all the time and wearing waist trainer all the time and doing everything she could to find ways to slim down and look like whatever models she was trying to emulate. Yeah. So if it was my daughter, I would... I would... Obviously, finding the right time to talk to them about it and try and have them try and find out the reasons, the unconscious reasons why she has that desire to do that and where that, where that. But if it was my daughter, I would do some therapy with her. I would start to, I would do some hypnotherapy for somebody that is behaving that way obviously mm -hmm. they've got to be open to do it but to begin to find other positive ways to begin to to address the way that they feel that they look and their behaviors because behind every behavior there's a they call it a positive intention or a secondary gain and so it, or a, a need, a reason, an unconscious reason why they're behaving that way. So be working and figuring that out and starting to change that behavior. But of course, it's all connected to being slim. So it's looking at the bigger picture. That's mm -hmm. what I would do. Yeah. And I'm grateful because she did stop all that and filled <sighs> out and good. has no problem eating anymore. <laughs> yeah. Look, has a normal body type and, and oh, doesn't wow. struggle with that, which was good and, and actually addressed her anxiety issues. She had a lot of social anxiety. So in some ways, I think she so, was trying to control how she felt, too, by controlling yeah. how she looked. And so how did, you, how did you help her with that? So I do EFT. I've been doing it since the year 2000. Um, and she was always one that I practiced on and I used it for many things when she was little. So she's used to EFT. She would never employ it herself until her anxiety began to grow. And so yeah. we started to talk about um, her eating disorders and her anxiety. And she did begin to employ them on her own oh, when, yeah. when she wanted to break that habit. You know, if, if she was thinking a certain way, she would start to tap to reverse it. Yeah. I and love EFT. Me Fantastic. too. Oh my gosh, I use it all the time. I teach it to all my clients. Marvelous. Oh. It's amazing. I learned it for my oldest, who had um, ADHD, which is what they diagnosed her with. Now they're they're, they're she's thirty. They're saying, well, we might have misdiagnosed you. We think it's PTSD. Right. Right. It's, but they didn't know that back then. Yeah. So yeah. I learned it for her because she used to have horrible night terrors and she was yeah. abused when she was three. So she had just so much anxiety all the time. And it, as I learned it and perfected it, it worked really well with her to bring her back down without her harming because she was one that would do self-harming or she would beat her head up against a wall, you know, to try and stop the thoughts. 
yeah. tapping so much easier <laughs> and it doesn't hurt. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And she was one too. Um, I know when she was in high school, she had, she hit it really well at first, her eating disorder until she couldn't anymore and I think mainly because her friends were also um, suffering eating disorders and yeah. she began to get worried about her friends and when you can see it in another do you find that to be true when you finally recognize the problem in another you can start to see it in yourself absolutely yeah not that amazing. we want to see that yeah it's amazing that you found that tool that helped you and also helped them yeah yeah Incredible, because you can use it for so many different things. It's just the most fantastic technique. I used it on my on Bella when she was two years old. When she would get constipated, <laughs> that's how much, when she was little. That was the first, "Mommy, it hurts," and to get her body to relax. Yeah, you know, when she stressed out, she would she would become very constipated. So even with her digestion back then, she internalized everything. So I taught her how to tap at a very young age and we used it over and over again. And although, like I said, she wouldn't employ it by herself until her anxiety got out of control. Then yeah. we made a couple tapping scripts so that she could just tap. Um, yeah. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. My son, when he was maybe three or four, he used to come up and, because I used to tap with him all the time, he used to come up and tap on me, <laughs> tap on the points. <laughs> Yeah, and we walk along tapping together. Children love it. They have actually started to teach it in schools here. Well, they had, but I think they've run out of funding at the moment. But the kids pick it up very fast, and it works really well with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. love it. Yeah. Well, I so appreciate this conversation and the work that you do. I think is so needed. Now, you work virtually. Yes, I do. Okay, so it doesn't matter where anyone lives, they can reach you if they want an appointment, they want help. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Hmm. Um, can you tell tell the listeners, A, how to get a hold of you and also how to get your book? Yeah, great. Um, so if you go to my website, which is katehudson-hall.com, all the information is on there and all the details about the book is in there or you can just go on amazon and type in bulimia sucks and then the books will come up there amazing and you have the workbook you have now coloring books and the food journal and the anxiety coloring book and the other eating disorders coloring books that's amazing <laughs> And, and super needed at this time. So thank you for coming on and sharing with the listeners um, your journey and your wisdom and very grounded Thank approach. you, Bernadette. It's been fabulous. All right, you guys. So make sure that you go check out her website. And also it will be linked in the show notes. If you have any questions, you can reach out to her. And we will see you later. Abandon fear and trust yourself Open up to all life's wealth Tap into a sixth sense With intuitive intelligence